And our passage this morning is from 2 Corinthians 12, verses 7 through 10. So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me, but he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. This is God's word. It's true, and it's given out of his love. You guys can be seated. Amen. Thanks, Brandon. Good morning, everybody. Good. I apologize that I keep making the mic do that, but it's good to be in the Word with you today. It's good. It's been a great series the last two weeks. How many of you have been here? Guilt time. How many have been here the last two weeks? It's okay. It's okay. All right. Well, for the rest of us, We've been in this series this summer on rest. Some of you have been taking that very literally this summer, apparently. I'm just having fun with you. It's okay. It's all, all is forgiven. It's all good. Um, we're in this series on rest. And uh, last week, we heard about God's will that we should, who remembers? Sleep. You say it, that's right. I mean, I want, can I get an amen on you should sleep? Amen. Yes. And then before that, we, the week before that was we were embracing our limitations with uh, Pastor Steve from just down the road. And so those were really good, and you can listen to those if you miss them. In our culture, to say that, to say that we should get into actual renewal, rest, and actually uh, set some limitations on what we might expect from ourselves and on others, uh, that's a revolutionary thing to say. And so I'm, I'm grateful to those guys, grateful for, for those weeks. And so today, what I want to talk about is, I want to talk about resting from our expectations. It's on your outline there, resting from our expectations. Let me tell you what I mean. Last week I flew uh, for the first time on, on a plane, don't be alarmed, I flew on a plane the first time in uh, three years uh, maybe some of you have been like me, you haven't flown in a long time. Uh, it was a little, I was a little jittery because of that and uh, had, my, had my mask on. I had a little um, air purifier that, that covers like five feet. Have you guys seen those? I got one on Amazon. I put it right there on the tray table, which was down and not in its locked position. I put it right there and I ran that thing the whole time. And um, we had a long delay, right? Of course we did, uh, circling the airport for quite a while. And when we landed, there was lightning in the area. And so we had to sit on the plane because they couldn't bring the jetway out uh, in lightning. And all that time, the, the pilot was giving us updates. He was giving us updates. He said, well, we're in a, you can finish the sentence for me. Well, we're in a holding pattern and uh, we'll be up soon and begin our, we'll begin our descent towards the airport in just a few minutes. It shouldn't be more than 20 minutes. And I kept looking out the window, and I don't think we had descended. We weren't any lower in like 60 minutes. We were the same height that we were. And then on the jetway, he was saying, oh, I'm sure it's just going to be a minute before uh, they get the, the jetway out for us. It shouldn't be very long. It was very long. It was very long. And, and I talked to someone else we were traveling with, and she said, oh, I like that. I want the pilot to keep telling me 20 minutes when it's going to be 90. 
Like, I, I like the optimism. I want him to lie to me. Just lie, just keep me happy. And, and uh, I was like, okay, well, I respect that. I found it frustrating and pretentious that he would not be honest with us about how much time it was going to take. Now, I know sometimes they don't know how long it's going to take, but I would actually, I would appreciate them saying that, like, uh, we, we are in a holding pattern. We have no idea uh, when we're going to, like, I would appreciate that, um, but I know that you, you can't say that. It would cause chaos. I just wish they would say, I don't know, and, and you know, my wife told me to stop being a curmudgeon, and she was right. I had a bad attitude about it. But what was happening there is that the pilot, this was my, why I was a curmudgeon, the pilot was setting my expectations, and he was blowing right through them every time, and numerous times in a row. And so I had my expectations in a certain place, and, and they weren't coming to pass. It's been said that the definition... You might want to write this down. This isn't on the outline, but the, de- the definition of disappointment, you might have heard this, is unmet expectations. The definition of disappointment, when we're disappointed, is unmet expectations. And I think a lot of times, in the church especially, we do a lot of good work. We, we want to um, lament. We want to grieve losses. We want to process things that have hurt us with someone else, certainly in community, maybe sometimes uh, with a therapist. We want to get into that unmet part of the phrase, unmet expectations, the unmet part, we want to dig into that and what's been going on in our heart and what's, what's gone wrong and, and why are we sad, why are we lamenting because our expectations have been unmet and we, we need to do that, that's a good work, we need to bring that into community and, and tell those close to us and process that and reflect on that, good stuff. But what I want to do this morning is I want to look a little bit at the expectations part of that phrase, unmet expectations, maybe we should also look at what were we expecting? What were we expecting? Should we have been expecting that? What then should we expect, if not? Should we lay any of those things down? That's what I want to look at today. So if disappointment is unmet expectations, and we want to grieve the part of our lives that have been unmet and the things that are difficult for us, and we should absolutely do that, then what do we do with our expectations for our life, and, and should we have them? And that's what I want to talk about, and it will really be an extended meditation and processing of John 16, 31 through 33. If you have a Bible or a phone Bible, and swipe over to John 16, uh, 31 through 33. That's kind of the, the hub of what we're looking at today, and then we're going to also jump in uh, where Brandon read for us a little bit later as well. So, John 16 is the last words that Jesus spoke to the disciples. Those four chapters of John, 14 through 17, the last words that Jesus spoke to the disciples right after he was betrayed. He was betrayed by Judas and right before he was arrested, before they went to the garden. So this is at the Last Supper. And, and theologians call those four chapters, which is in smaller chunks in the other Gospels. But this, this section is called the Farewell Discourse from Jesus to the Disciples. And this passage, John 16, 31 through 33, is a promise from Jesus. This was one of those times when Jesus actually tells us, tells the disciples in this case, what and us as well, what is going to happen. He's just going to tell us what's going to happen. You can even imagine the emotions um, that Jesus was, was going through. He had just been betrayed. He knew the pain that was coming his way very soon. And uh, you can imagine the emotions as he said this to them. So John 16, 31, Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming. Indeed, it has come when you will be scattered each to his own home and will leave me alone. 
Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. This is a promise from Jesus. He tells them what's going to happen. Have you ever prayed and pounded on the door of heaven, Jesus, just tell me what's going to happen. Just tell me what this is going to be like. I just want to know what's coming my way. Well, here, Jesus answers that prayer for the disciples, and we're going to find for all of us, really, uh, in an indirect way, he answers that prayer for us. And you can imagine the the disciples sitting there going, well, thanks, Jesus. (laughs) In this world, you will have trouble. Great. You know, that's not one of the, there's no Thomas Kincaid mugs that say, in this world, you will have trouble and great tribulation, right? Like, it doesn't say that. That's not something that we often consider a promise from Jesus, but it is. And the expectations that we have for our life should be no different than the disciples. So what do we do with that? Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. What do we, what do, we do with that? Well, two, two ways, first of all, that our expectations can get haywire Look at two different ways that can happen. And then we're going to look at two ways we overcome. Jesus says, I have overcome the world. And later on in the book of Revelation, it says that that the church, that Christians have overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. So how do we we overcome in two ways first that we can get our expectations a little haywire in our life? First of all, in the circumstances of our life, we can get our expectations a little bit out of whack. And I I say that to you today because we have a very unique vantage point, I think, in the prosperous West, in modern uh, American society. There's a very unique vantage point that can lead to the hunger and a belief in a kind of prosperity theology. Uh, The idea that God should make all things totally well with us now or else... You didn't have enough faith. The idea that we should be healthy and wealthy and wise fully now in its fullness or else God is out to get us. Things in our life should always be ascending. Life should be getting better. Things should be going in the right direction or else maybe I didn't have enough faith. That, you may say, well, I don't believe that. That's ridiculous. But the way that we go Monday through Friday a lot of times betrays the fact that we actually think that. Because what happens the first time that things do get out of whack and and the car breaks down or uh, we have relational difficulty or the finances are tough, what do we do? Our faith can sometimes be challenged by that. And we can start to think that maybe God is out to get us. And so we betray that this is sort of our vantage point in the West that things should always be getting better and always should be ascending for us. And this is unique to us. Uh, in, in uh, In the medieval times, scholars believed that the earth was growing old actually, and they thought that things were deteriorating and that the end was growing near. Um, Many medieval writers frequently assumed the supremacy of preceding generations. They thought, no, things were better. They're they're going the wrong direction. That's what what medieval writers would say. Um, Two historians, Paul Meany and Marion uh, Toupe, say that today progress has been so consistent that it can seem just inevitable. We always think we're going to be progressing, whether it's new pharmaceutical drugs, uh, the new better iPhone, cheaper holidays. People expect things to be getting better. But pessimism then seemed to have been the norm for much of written history. 
In that respect, modern people are exceptional. We demand and expect progress. We conceive of our own future. Listen to this. We conceive of our own future without any declinism. There's a historian word there. Thanks for that, Paul. (laughs) But what he means is that we don't think anything's ever going to decline. And, and you know, we talk about waxing and waning. We don't think anything's ever going to wane in our life. And that's a modern thing. Years ago, people didn't think that way. Right? Now, I think post-COVID, probably some of those things are turning. People are more pessimistic. We all know that people have been, you know, there's been more anger in our society and, and going in the other direction. But that's because our expectations were that things would always get better, and they haven't been. It's been a hard few years, right? And so since our expectations were wrong, that's why there's this turmoil sometimes. So why do I bring all that up and unpack history is that, that, that you need to, we need to understand our cultural moment, and maybe that's you Maybe that's me, that, that we sort of assume things will get better, and when it doesn't, we go sideways, and, and, and we've gone through some difficult times. We've gone through suffering. It's been the hardest, it's been the hardest two or three years of my entire life, right? And, and when, when we go through that, um, we, can, we can, you know, sort of lose track of where we should be. Maybe it's been a relational tension in your family. Maybe it's been a bad breakup. Maybe loneliness, COVID stuff. Uh, a lot of us have gone through death in, in our families and in in ones we love. Um, what, what do we do with that? Well, let's remember what Jesus promised us, right? First, let's remember what he promised us. John sixteen thirty three. I think I have it on the slide for us, that um, in this world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And right before that, he says, or notice that, that in me... Uh, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. And so what Christ is offering us is his presence. That he's with us. Peace through him. And that's how we overcome. He says, I have overcome the world. How does he pass it on to us? Through his presence. And so I invite you today, maybe even you scribble on, on your notes, but as you, as you think through this this week, think about the worst or hardest time in your life. It could have been in the last few years. It could have been long before that. Think about difficult, difficult times in your life and re-narrate that with the truth of John 16, that Christ was there. I think, I think Christ wants us to, if, we've, if we have this view that like God neglected us and God abandoned us, and again, if, if our life hasn't been going upwards and things are not where we want them to be, Maybe I'm just a failure and, and I don't have enough faith. Christ wants us to re-narrate that thinking with the fact that, no, He is with us. He is with us. In me, you will have peace. He has overcome. In that moment, in those difficult times, Christ was caring for you. He was sustaining you, Colossians says. He is intimately with us. Uh, the Psalms say that He keeps our tears in a bottle. In other words, he keeps track of all the difficult things in your life. Uh, it says elsewhere, he, he's, he stays with us in our tossings. Some of us don't sleep well. Right? Last week was, last week was frustrating because we would really like, to, we'd really like to sleep better than we do and we just don't sleep well. Some of that is um, physical stuff that gets harder as you get older. I can testify to that. Some of that, is, though, is emotional stuff. And, and it says in the Psalms that he is with us even in our tossings. The Bible's not some ethereal book that sort of operates on this different level and doesn't hit us where we live. Don't, don't believe that if you're 
if you think that. No, Christ is with us even in our tossings. And we can't sleep. It says he's with us in our wanderings. He keeps our tears in a bottle. God has not forgotten the pain in your life. Sometimes it's hard because you think everybody around me has forgotten what I went through. Yeah, they were there for me for a little while. Or people in my family who know what I've been through, they don't really bring it up anymore. And maybe they just forgot what I've gone through. Christ has not forgotten. In fact, he was there with you. You are here today because he sustained you. That's why you're here. So he was with you. He's sustaining you, uh, overcoming the world. John 16, 33. He was there with you, overcoming. Garrett Kell uh, said this. I believe we have this quote. Bitterness enslaves you in yesterday. Anxiety enslaves you to tomorrow. Jesus gives peace for today. That's what he said. So when we focus too much on what happened, we can become bitter. When when we focus too much on what we don't know about what's going to happen, we can become anxious. Jesus is giving you peace right now with you here, now. And and part of the farewell discourse, part of John 14 through 17, is that Jesus says he's going to leave us the Holy Spirit. He's going to leave the Spirit with us. Why? To comfort us, encourage us, to sustain us, to keep us in any kind of time. This is the world that we find ourselves in. This is the story that we find ourselves in. God with us. Don't believe any other story. Right? God's abandoned you. God is unkind. God is out to get you. God only has hard things for me in my life. God hates me. God really just doesn't enjoy me. He tolerates me. That's why... Christmas is such a revolutionary event because what we remember so often during Advent is Emmanuel, God, with us. And he's still with us, and he's with you. His presence is with you. And maybe part of coming out of these last few years for you and for me is going to be that, just turning back to Christ in humility, remembering those times, entering back into some of those places, painful places, and remembering that Christ was there and he brought you through it. Maybe you should do that. You should do it in community. Maybe some of us should do it with a therapist. And remember, go back to those places and remember that Christ was with you. And so our expectations for the circumstances of our lives can get out of whack. We can start to have expectations um, that maybe we shouldn't. And, And the cure for that is to remember that Christ was with us. And so when things didn't go like we wanted, he was there sustaining us. Second way I think expectations can, can get out of whack with us is the expectations that we put on ourselves. We can get so frustrated and discouraged with ourselves. Why am I not further along? Why haven't I figured this thing out yet? Why am I not, you know, getting an A-plus at life like I thought I was going to be? Um, my friends are doing better than I am at life. <laughs> my, college, my college roommate uh, is, a, is a four-time published author, international speaker. He's, he's a big deal. Constantly doing better than me all the time. And uh, sometimes that can, that can get to us. I hate it that I still struggle with this or with that. We can start to think that. Why am I not further along? My expectation is that I would be further along. And that brings us to um, where Brandon read from this morning in 2 Corinthians 12. Um, 
you might want to pull that back up, or I'm just going to read parts of it for, for you. But this is a section of Scripture where, where Paul describes a thorn in the flesh that, that he prayed and prayed and prayed that God would take away from him. Most theologians think it was a physical problem uh, or some sort of chronic pain or an illness. Um, that's what some of the thinking is on it. But at whatever it was, um, what Christ's answer to him was, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Do you feel like that, that, that you're disappointed with yourself and how, how far along you are? Do you feel weak and feel ineffective? Power of Christ. Right there. That's what Paul's trying to say is that his strength is made perfect in weakness. And he goes on, verse nine, 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, finish it. Then I am strong. Let's say that again. Say it with me. For when I am weak, then I am strong. We have to remember that. And, and we have to be able to confess without any cynicism something like, I am content with calamities. Right? What is Paul talking about? The reason he can say it is because he understands that when we're at that point of, I need Christ right now. And so I'm pouring my expectations on him that he is going to do the work that he wants to do in my life. I will be developing at the rate that he wants me to. My life, in some sense, is where he would have me to be. That doesn't mean that that Christ doesn't ever want us to walk away from things or that Christ doesn't ever want us to maybe work hard on an area for a season. Yes, amen, he does do that. But that, even saying that, betrays the fact that he has us there. He's doing things in that moment, right? And so we need to put our expectations on him that he is with us and he is working. The story that we tell, and, and see, that in, in the church we can get this backwards, but the story we need to tell is that God is strong, we are weak, Change is slow. You're a sinner. Christ is all. That's our story. We're not building up any person. We're not trying to encourage you to become the human construct one day. If you go through all the right classes and believe all the right things, that you will then not have any need of grace, that you're somehow a grace graduate, that you got your grace diploma and now you're perfection. That's not what we're trying for you or me or anyone else in here. That's not what we want for you. God is strong. We are weak. Christ is all. That's what we want for you. Here's what uh, Robert Capone, he, he's a, an Episcopal priest from years ago. Here's what he says. So good. Christ, he comes to us in the brokenness of our health, in the shipwreck of our family lives, in the loss of all possible peace of mind, even in the very thick of our sins. He saves us in our disasters, not from them. He emphatically does not promise to meet only the odd winner of the self-improvement lottery. He meets us all in our endless and inescapable losing. I'm going to make a t-shirt of that as well. That's a great Christian t-shirt. He meets you in losing. That's where Christ is in your life. And we are not the odd winner of the self-improvement lottery. I love that phrase so much. Uh, it's, it's rare, right? Most of the time it's phony. Oh, I, I am a self-made man. I did this 
all myself. I, I built this. I started from nothing. Most of the time, there's a lot of dishonesty in those stories, the, the hero's tale, right? There's a lot of like nuance, like, oh, but you were given a loan for $4 million. So we didn't add that to the story, right? And we leave that part out. But, but I love that, that he says that's not where Christ is meeting us. It's only in the people that have improved in, in the self-improvement lottery. No, he meets us in our endless and inescapable losing. That's a, by the way, that's a Christmas quote that I, I found that, that he, he said that around Advent, and, and I love it so much. And that's why we often corporately confess our sins in church together. That's why we, that's why we do that. That's why we pray that God would be great and we would be needy, because we are not... Um, we are not those people, the winners of the self-improvement lottery. It's important for us to remember and come back to that reality that like Paul, like the Apostle Paul, which if you were going to do like a top five list of all-time Christians, if anyone would be foolish enough to do such a thing, um, Paul would probably be on that list, right? I think Apostle Paul would make top five, maybe top ten. He says, when I am weak, top five, when I am weak, he is strong. And so we want to be like him. We want to be like Paul and let that be our story. So our expectations can get out of whack that we should be further along and that frustrates us that we're not further along. Then we can get upset and disappointed because we're so upset that we're upset that we're not further along, right? And, and we can also be upset that our circumstances have not gone the way that we wanted them to go. And so we should remember, John sixteen thirty three that in this world, we will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. There's great hope in that. There's great hope even in, in what we just looked at there for a minute that, that uh, life is not based on our progress, on our expertise, on our physical condition. Praise God. Most of us are not ascending uh, in physical condition. As you get older, it typically doesn't go that way. I, for you younger folks, I'm sorry I'm bringing bad news to you. It really doesn't go that way, right? Uh, that's not what our hope is in. It's, our, it's not based on our progress or on our expertise. It's not who we are. It's whose, W-H-O-S-E, whose we are. It's not who we are, it's whose we are. So how do we, how do we then overcome those expectations? How do we overcome the disappointment and, and when things get out of whack for us. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give two ways um, that we find in God's Word. One is um, through hope. And, and let me explain what I mean when I say that. We can think that, that hope is sort of a wish. That's how we use the word, I, I hope. I, I, I hope that will happen. It may or may not happen, but I hope it will happen, right? Um, hope is different in the Bible. It's the assurance of things that are coming for us. So in 1 John 3, uh, John says this. I think we have this up here. Yeah, First John 3. But beloved, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him. Because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself as He is pure. Boy, there's a lot in that passage. You, you should read that uh, once a day this week and pull out a different part of it and think on it and maybe look up uh, some commentary on it because it's so rich. Look at that first verse. What we will be has not yet appeared. Okay, John is telling you that you have not arrived yet. Right? I think there's great hope in that. Sometimes, that can, again, that can be discouraging for us, and, and that's fine. I understand that, but John is saying, hey, you are not what you're one day going to be. 
And then he says, you know, we shall be like Christ. We will see him as he is. And that hope in one day what Christ will do and what he's promised to do, everyone who thus hopes in Christ purifies himself as he is pure. That hope is purifying to us. We are not there yet. We are in a broken world. Things are not yet as they will be. Don't be discouraged. Put your expectations on the promises of God for His faithfulness to us, for His care for us, for His plan and for His purpose. Put your hope in the fact that God's plan for the universe will happen. God is undefeated at getting His purposes done. And that hope purifies us. And so when I say hope, I mean hope in what God has promised to you and I with the reality that we're not there yet. Look at that first verse again. There, there is a current reality. It's not just supposed to be, again, discouraging. Beloved, John always says to us in the gospel and in, in his letters, he calls us beloved. I love that. Beloved, we are God's children now, so there's nothing that needs to be improved there. There's nothing that can be taken away from you there. You are a child of God. You're a son. You're a daughter of God now, but we're not yet what we will be. And so we take encouragement from our standing with God. We take encouragement from His love and His care for us. And then we know that He's still working on us. And by the way, everyone else around you too, so let's give grace to each other. That person that you just don't understand and don't want to deal with, and why in the world are they like that? That person, God is not done with them yet. Amen? Got to remember that. Got to remember that. So don't be discouraged. The other thing I think helps clarify our expectations, there's hope in what God is doing and will do. The other thing is um, the gospel. And why do I say that? Well, I mentioned earlier Revelation 12, 11, talking about throughout the church, those uh, specifically the martyrs throughout the history of the church, but also all the children of God who overcame and then are, are rescued at the end of Revelation uh, with Christ. And it says this, Revelation 12, verse 11, they overcame, same word from, from our passage, I have overcome the world. Same word, Revelation 12, 11. They overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And that's how the world is overcome, the gospel and our belief testifying to that. So our expectations get put in line by the good news that Christ has rescued us, the blood of the Lamb. We overcome because Christ has, has rescued us, redeemed us, forgiven us from our sins, made us His sons and daughters. And then our testifying to that. By the blood of the Lamb, they overcame, and the word of their testimony. So saying that, being explicit about that. And so I wonder, some of us who are disappointed in our expectations, I wonder if maybe if you just told someone close to you this week, I just want to tell you, I believe in Christ. I just want to tell you that God's been good to me. And maybe I've been a crab, maybe I've been the curmudgeon on the airplane, I've been upset with everybody. I just want you to know, God's been good to me. God rescued me. I think that would help you. I think confessing the truth of God helps us overcome the world. But I think we need to say it. And of course, we should pray it. We should meditate on it and think on it. But someone close to you, or maybe it would be an opportunity for evangelism, someone not close to you yet, for you to say that. Hey, I just want you to know, somebody at work, like, I just want you to know that, that God's been good to me. He's carried me this far in my life, and I'm only here because he sustained me, or else I wouldn't be here right now. That testimony overcomes the world. That's how we overcome. Christ says, take heart. I've overcome the world. Because when our faith stays in Him, when we stay believing in Christ, 
that overcomes the world. Let me just, I'm just going to say it to you. Stay believing in Christ. I think maybe some of you here, maybe you've, maybe you've doubted this week. Maybe you've had a rough week. Maybe you've had a rough summer, rough last season of time through COVID. Starting to question things. Starting to wonder what this is all about. Can I just tell you? I just want to speak it over you. Stay believing in Christ. Keep your faith in Christ. There's no other name given among men by which we are saved. There's no other name. There's no other way the world makes sense. There's no other reason that anything is here except that God made all of it. Okay? So, I'll get preaching about that. Let, let me just give you that encouragement. Let that be the word of your testimony. Keep believing and, and say that to someone. Share that with someone. So hope and the blood of the Lamb, what Christ has done for us. Let me close with this from, from Tim Keller. He says this. He says, we need a living hope to get through life and endure suffering. A living hope enables us to have both sorrow and joy. Our living hope is an inheritance achieved for us by Christ. And that hope overcomes the world. So we have to have our faith in Christ if we're ever going to make it through when our expectations are not happening and we're disappointed and discouraged and depressed because we have unmet expectations. What do we do? We put our hope in Christ. And let me remind you what we started with this morning. His presence actively and intimately with you. You can always go to Him. Some of our parents told us, you know, you can, you can pray wherever you are. If you're at school and you're scared, right, or if, you know, there's a scary movie on, you can, you can always pray. You can always go to Christ. And, and I remember my parents would say that to me, and boy, I need it in my mid to late 40s. Christ is with us, always, always. And I think sometimes that knowing that and, and becoming aware of that in a fresh way helps purify our expectations for our life. Because when things aren't going well, we can go to Him and, and He is near to us. So at our tables, really my heart behind the table questions, there are some things to discuss there. There are some maybe things to share if you feel comfortable. If, by the way, if you're new or it's your first couple of times, don't have to disclose anything you don't want to. This is just a way for us to process God's Word together. The real heart behind this morning is maybe someone at your table needs some prayer for unmet expectations. Can, can you come around anybody at your table and just ask Christ to encourage them if maybe they are currently wondering, like, why aren't things going like I want them to, or why am I not the way that I want me to be? They're not being very kind to themselves, maybe, right now. I'm discouraged with myself. I'm discouraged with this or that in my life. I want you to have plenty of time to do that, um, as well as if the questions help you dialogue around that. So I'm going to pray, and we'll move into that time together. Let's pray. Father, you said that you would um, meet us in your word, and there's been so many encouragements this morning um, from First John, God, that we are your children, and yet we're not, we're not yet what we will be. Um, Father, that you've promised us that in this world we're going to face trials and trouble. We shouldn't expect different. We shouldn't expect that things will always be great for us. But you said, Father, that you have overcome the world. So help us to remember those things and, and, and process those things well. Thanks for our brothers and sisters and for the community for us to do that. And thanks for your word to bring us back to center, uh, center this morning. And Father, I pray if anyone here is struggling, if anyone's uh, doubting, Father, your goodness, um, would you encourage their heart? Would your spirit meet them in these texts? Would this word come alive uh, to them where they are this morning? 
It's my prayer for them. And so meet us at our tables um, as we discuss together this morning. And in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, we are going to transition into our time of communion this morning, which is just another form of worship here at Missio Dei Falcon. Um, We worship in many different ways on Sunday mornings. We worship by singing songs and praises to Jesus. We worship by giving of our time and talents and serving on Sunday mornings. Uh, We worship by giving of of our tithes and money uh, to the church. And and we worship by sitting under the preaching of the word, which we're thankful for Aaron's message this morning. And and one thing that struck me is, is his definition of disappointment, which was that unmet expectations. Um, and it struck me that Jesus didn't disappoint us, right? Jesus met every expectation of the Father, all the expectations that we had zero chance to meet. Um, we would have failed. We still fail, right? All of us, every single day. But Jesus never failed. He didn't disappoint us. He met every expectation uh, for us. And, and that is what we remember as we take communion, right? As we grab the juice and, and the cracker, as we drink of the juice, we remember his perfect blood shed for us. Uh, we remember as we eat the crackers, his perfect body that was broken for us. Um, and so that is why we, we take this form of worship every Sunday here at Missio Day Falcon. And here at Missio, um, we also serve open communion. That means you do not need to be a partner of our church to join us in communion. Um, we just ask that, that you would uh, come to the table if, if um, you are a believer and follower in Jesus Christ. Um, if you aren't here this morning and you have not put your trust or faith in Jesus, um, but, but the Holy Spirit is prompting you in ways that are new and different, we would love to process that with you guys. We would love to talk with you. We'd love to pray with you if, if uh, today might be your first time coming to the table. And so myself, my wife, Jessica, will be underneath the the basketball hoop over there during these last two songs and and feel free to come over we'd love to to talk with you about that um there is different tables set up uh in the gymnasium that you can go and grab the elements um here as we sing these songs so you can do that whenever you you would like you can take it back to your table you can take it to a different part of the gymnasium and and just partake however you guys feel uh led to do that and so i'm very excited to Uh, just join you guys in this uh, form of worship as we remember Jesus's perfect blood shed and perfect body broken for us. So let's, let's worship.